what's happening this is the tap in podcast we are live inside of the tap in studio it's your boy jerome rogan in the building aka dante man we got a special special guest all the way from compton california blessing us with his presence today james aka mob james how you doing sir i'm good my brother what's good with you chilling man thank you man thank you for tapping in with us all man the time, all the time i'm just supporting everybody yeah so, yeah what brings you to dallas man uh hand brought me to dallas said he had some things to do with the kids and you know wanted me to come down i jumped in the car and rolled okay right, that's what i'm that's what i want to ask you what why why you didn't jump on the plane no, I don't really like planes. You don't like planes? I did a 18-hour flight to Australia, and I said, I ain't going to fly no time soon. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to drive. Yeah. Well, if I can get there in the car, I'm in the car. Okay. Okay. Cool. <laughs> All right. Man, so, man, you got, a, like, a, a rich history, especially, like, with hip-hop. Um, Like, I want to kind of, like, go back um, – and I want you to I want you to be able to tell your story, man. Talk. To, can you tell the people what was it like? Because a lot of people think, because um, I'm from LA, right? A lot of people think Compton and LA is almost like the same thing. No. But to me, Compton is his own. It's like his own everything, and this this is a hop, skip, and jump from LA. And LA is the same way too. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But you know, like the Bloods and Crips in Compton, sometimes you got you know Bloods and Crips. If, if the Crips see a Blood, if the Bloods see a Crip fighting. And it's a, it's a Compton thing, so it's it's pride. We take pride in that, and also in LA too. But you know, Compton is just different from everything. It's just totally different. The get down, the way cats walk. You know what I'm saying? It's totally different. Uh, you got a lot of cats that has no no. It's just take off. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, just like all over the place, but Compton is just a uh, no tolerance. Like fuck that, I'm, uh, bing bing bang bang, <laughs> yeah. it's over. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But that's everywhere. But we just different. It's just different, man. I'm proud to be from Compton. Yeah, and what I found out, um, it was it was it was like mind boggling to me that Compton got horses like a stable in Compton. Like I think it's like right off the 105. Um, it's right off uh, Alameda, Alondra. Yeah, yeah. I was like, and I my first time ever going horseback riding was in Compton. Yeah, people would be like, "What?" Like, yes, in Compton, I went horseback riding. Yeah, we went to that stable one time, and all the homies so called themselves going uh going horseback riding. My horse was cool, but he was acting up. Mm-hmm. Hen dog horse stopped in the middle of the creek. My brother Buntry, his horse didn't want to just walking slow. He started firing on the motherfucking <laughs> horse, and the horse took off. Boom! And uh, the horse George and uh, I think uh, Hank was on just took off right behind Bunchy horse. Yeah. And me and Hendo got off the horse. The man came and took the took that horse back to the to the little uh, stable stable and shit. Yeah. Me and Hendo walked through the creek and went on back to the stable. <laughs> I said, "Fuck these horses! I can't do this shit. I couldn't do it." Yeah. Yeah. Man, so you were the head of security of uh, Death Row Records, yeah. right? Yeah. What was that? Um, what was that responsibility like? One, just because I, I I heard your story, um, right when you got out of prison, you came over to Death Row. How it wasn't a Death Row then? When I oh, got okay. out of prison, 
when 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 I got out of prison, she came because his mama house right around the corner from me. Okay, we on the same block, same hood. So when he came and when he heard I was out of prison, he came to my mom's house, and uh, looked out for me, blessed me, and was just like, "You want to make some money? You want to? I'm fucking with you. I want to fuck with you." And you know, me and Suge never been on no business tip, no gang tip, none of that. So I was curious about, you know, what he was talking about. Took me out to Vegas, seen shit, and mind you, maybe this is probably the second time I ever been to Las Vegas. Mm. And this was 1988, but I've been prior before that with some homie shit. That was, I think that was the second time I've been. So he just showed from that day forward when he took me out of town, he just showed me some different shit. Mm. He laced me with his plan, what he wanted to do, where he was going with it, and he started Fern Hill Records. Fern Hill? Fern Hill Records, him okay. and Thomas Klein. So once he did that, I'm 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 all aboard. So the strategy he applied for Fern Hill, we just took it to a different level for the Death Row Records. And mm. my my position was to get the homies and put fear in those that oppose whatever Silk had going on. Made them understand without no touching, no violence, no bullshit, this is what it is. Take it or leave it type of shit. So... Uh, you know, we went into Ruthless Records, taking taking contracts and shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just to get what we wanted, and that was Dream and Chalet contract, so they can come over to Death Row. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. My job was basically at the beginning just pretty much being the muscle. You know what I'm saying? When I felt that things started to change, it was time for me to do something else. So we opened up. Let me ride hydraulics. So now I'm back seeing my little brother get out of prison from doing a nine-year bid. He just did nine. So my little brother, I put him up under Shug. And Bunchery was totally different from me. Mm, in Bunchery, what way? He, I'm, I'm hot-headed. Bunchery was more calm, cool, and collective with it, but and, and no conversation. I, I had conversation with people because I always believe if I can explain it to you and you get it, we good. But if I have to show you, that's a different situation. Mm. So Bunchy was totally different from that from that aspect. If you got hit, he ain't he ain't finna tell you he finna hit you. Mm. You ain't gonna see him frown up. He's okay. just gonna do his thing. So Bunchy and Shug got got tight, got real tight, and the shit that he needed me for when it was my time to go is when we had a problem or something was about to go down. That's when Bob James came into effect. Like, you know, Snoop needed somebody there to watch his ass, so these cats or those cats couldn't come while he was going through his trial. Bob mm -hmm. James would need you. This mm -hmm. your specialty. So I grabbed my cats. We posting up here at the courthouse every day. If you can't do it, don't do it. Mm. But this is what's gonna happen, and this is what might happen. Yeah, we only we only fifty feet away from handcuffs <laughs> and the cell. Yeah, if we get out. So if you with that, let's roll. And you know, my boys was down with it. And if anybody would have came in there, my job was to not let them through by any means necessary. So if they would have came, we had a problem. Mm. Through the grace of God, we didn't have that problem. They yeah. they chose not to, and we everybody good. Snoop. Got in his car, came and left when he wanted to with no issues. Yeah. 
Was that um? How old were you back then? I got out of prison when I was 22, 1988. Okay. 22, 23, yeah. So, roughly between 22 and let's say like, what, 28 that you was uh, doing security for, for all of them? Yeah, well, first we started with Fernhill Records, which went on for a year and a half before he tried to, before he went from... Fernhill to Death Row. Okay. Because we was tearing that shit up there. It was just, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Everywhere we went, we had problems. So, 88, 89, <laughs> we doing the uh, the Budweiser Superfest. And we mm. going all over the place with this. And that's when I was just introduced to different places, different, you know, people, different conversation, the way people talk and all that shit, the way they dress. And I think... I kind of like stood out different because I still had that gang banging mentality. I'm looking at people, I'm staring at people, and I, I gave them the fuck you looking at attitude. And people were like, damn, who the fuck this? <laughs> I don't want to ask this motherfucking guy. You know, with the khakis and the Levi's yeah. and the whole nine. So doing what we was doing, and when, when it came to death row, I got to change up now because, you know, I start feeling bad how people was looking at me. Mm. And was was afraid to approach me. How the fuck is he professional looking like that? You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, say, for instance, I'm sitting at the desk at the office and a motherfucker called the phone. The secretaries ain't there, so I take the call. And when I write down the message, my message is in game writing and shit. <laughs> and when the motherfucker came, I said, you, you got a message on your desk. And the first thing I heard him say is, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm, I was embarrassed. Yeah. And, you know, and you know, a lot of people don't know. It took me a long time to get out of the way I used to write. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because I was so used to striking shit up or writing a certain kind of way, I had to change it up. So I literally had to sit up at night sometime writing a letter. You're not in prison no motherfucking more. Just, you know, start writing, you know, bam. So once I got that, it, it got better. Mm. So, I, you know, but everything took its toll. You know, when the shit was going bad with that bro, bro, I wasn't going back to prison for nobody. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, now that I got my brother over there, he ain't on no slowdown. He ain't on no went to win, bam. He with the cause, mm -hmm. you know. Everybody that's fucking with Death Row never had a, these cats ain't never had a, a paying job. Mm. So they was doing their thing. They was knocking motherfuckers out. They was doing what they had to do and what they was, you know, to get that check. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes, you know, if you knocked out the right motherfucker, you got a bonus. Mm. So these cats is getting paid to do something that they was doing in the hood already, but they getting a check for it now. So now it's extra. They hitting you harder, man. <laughs> They leaning into it. Oh man, it was. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it 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 put that oomph on Suge. You know what I'm saying? You fuck with Suge Knight. <clears throat> look behind him. Mm, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the fear of that because it wasn't no just regular street no street cats that fuck with Death Row. His security was all muscle bound motherfuckers. I'm the littlest nigga out of all of them. Mm. And at that time, I was 285. Man. And my my little brother on on the way up to 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 the biggest homie, you know, these were some big dudes. So people looked at them 
they didn't look, they didn't see Suge. They seen all the motherfuckers behind Suge. Yeah. So that's what it was. Let me ask you this, because I know that was like earlier when you were real young. The the gangbang aspect, I'm just thinking you were, you were blood and now you protecting Snoop and all his crib homies from, from Long Beach. Right. Was that like a mind kind of shift for you? or? Oh, that's automatic, man. You ain't going to be a stupid motherfucker and pass that up because he equipped and not get your money because he equipped. I would have been a stupid motherfucker to say, just like everybody else, everything on death row was Crips. Mm. And, you know, they had to understand like I did. We are here to protect these cats regardless. You know, this is what we getting, this is how we getting paid. Or you just go back to the hood and do your thing. Mm. So everybody understood that. They were off limits. Mm, You know what I'm saying? Them and anybody else that opposed anything Suge had to do was off, you know, it was, it, we worked for them. Oh, uh, okay. So. Okay. Was you at that um that award show? No. You wasn't at the award show? No. Okay. Okay. No. <laughs> All right. So, um, how how did you, wh- what year did you leave Death Row? I, I, I never left Death Row. Or I stopped working stopped, for them? I just stopped doing that. I didn't want to fly with them. And I didn't want to go to certain places with them. Mm. I didn't do that. I, I, mind you, we had let me ride hydraulics. So, I if I can stay in the hood, and and work and do the cars, I ain't gotta go over there and do that shit. So I took myself out of out of this position and went into this one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but yeah. I'm still my James. You know what I'm saying? I'm still doing my thing. If the homies had a problem and needed anything, like our situation we had with the South Sides. I'm in the hood. You know what I'm saying? So shit could be regulated, but I just didn't like the shit that was going down in the way it shifted from fucking with people that needed to be fucked with opposed to people that was just standing there looking. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I've always had a thing growing up or whatever. Why fuck with somebody that ain't fucking with you? You know what I'm saying? Why would why would you fuck with somebody that you know you can whoop? Right. It didn't make no sense to me. So they, I don't want to be a part of that type of shit. So I took myself out of that situation and and just focused myself and hired my grandfather, my uncle, to work here at the hydraulic shop. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So I went. I switched it up on them quick, but. It was still love, you know. Death Row is Death Row. Yeah. Then we had six six two. When when six six two popped, my Giants, you know I'm gonna need you to run this shit. Woo woo woo. Keep every, everything straight with the wimp. I got you, my nigga. I'm there. So that's 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 where we was at. Okay. How long was uh six six two up and running? <laughs> Not long. It wasn't. After after the the wars after Tupac situation, it was over. It was done. Right before that, Death Row, I mean, 662 probably opened three times. Really? That's it. It was short-lived. Oh, shit. Yeah. It was short-lived. I'm about to say, because I don't remember going to Vegas and even hearing about 662. It was short-lived, bro. Yeah. It, it, you know, it was politics involved in it, and then the first time it opened, it was cool, and then we had uh, the fights after that. So it, 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 it was short Mm. It was short. We didn't get a chance to, like, open every Friday or Saturday. We didn't get that opportunity. Like, special events, and y'all open it? They was on Shook Night. 
Mm. And they was trying to not let that happen. Yeah. Because they knew it was finna it was finna be cracking. <laughs> yeah. It was finna crack. You never um you never wanted to like get back into music or at least like do your own thing no. in the music? No. I to be honest with you, man, the shit that I saw in the industry and the way people treat the artists and all that shit, I couldn't accept that. I couldn't I couldn't treat nobody because the I believe the artist is the one that's making you the money. Why fuck him? Yeah. But this is how they get rich. And and I watch them motherfuckers, and I ain't going to put the brother business out there, put put the album, the CD out, and he got to ask for his money. Why? You know what I'm saying? You got his money. I understand it go from here to here to there. Go, it got to go through that pipeline, but get that dude his cheese. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Nah, they starve you out, man. Yeah, and I feel like... People like you in the industry will help artists out. You know what I mean? Because you see it, and it's like you can regulate it for the artist. Like if 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 I was an artist and I, and I wanted a manager or somebody to to oversee my project, it'll be somebody like well, they, you. That's why they got brothers out there like Capone from Chicago. They got uh, uh, Stan Shepard out of Chicago. They got they got quite a few guys out there that that help brothers fix their contracts and shit like that. Okay. They can do that. I can't do that. Because even with my change, my situation today, I just don't have the tolerance to deal with a producer or, or that type of shit. Mm-hmm. In that nature. I don't wanna I don't I don't want no parts of that, man. So doing my podcasts and 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 all the other things that I got going on now, I'm cool with that. You know, I don't no, I ain't got time for that Yeah. Okay. I seen one of y'all and for those who don't um, who don't know, he's part of the Gangster Chronicles. You guys got the Gangster right. Chronicles podcast. And I seen this one, um, I forget this guy named, he was an attorney, though, that you guys had on the podcast. I can't remember. What's his name? Uh, it was an attorney. He was a light-skinned brother. And he was talking about all of all of the contracts that he fixed. That's Stan Shepard. Oh, that's Stan Shepard? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. He the man. Okay. He based yeah. out of Chicago. I mean, you know, he knows so many people because he uh, represented Tony Lanes and uh, Black Tone Records. Uh, he been around. So, you know, like me, if I have a situation and I can't reach out or touch that person, Stan, I need you to get online and see what's happening with Woo to Woo. And I got you. Mm. And he get the situation fixed and no problems. Yeah, okay. So, yes. If anybody needs some shit handled... Stan Shepard is the man. Holler at him. Stan Shepard out of Chicago. Okay. Now, Gangsta Chronicles. I remember it wasn't it wasn't you still in eight at first. No. Who was who were all the people that's that it, ca- it started off with just me and Reggie Wright. Okay. And we did like two, three episodes before we brought in Alex Alonso, which was a he's a gang analyst, you know, this educated brother. So uh, Norm felt that it was cool. We should have these three guys on here: the ed, the 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 gang expert, the ex-cop, and then you got the gang member. Mm. So those two, I mean, every, each one follow each other. You got a gang member, then you got the cop that chased the gang members, and then you got the gang expert that come in and say that the gang member is him, but then the <laughs> cop is the one that forced him or put the shit on him. Mm. So they figured that. It would it's, it, it it worked. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But 
in time, you know, Reggie was already going to court at the time, and then he wound up going to the feds, and then Alex and Norm couldn't get along, so Alex just stopped working. Mm. And then, you know, I tried to keep that that trio together because everybody loved the Reggie, Alex, and James story, the way we, you know, argue in the whole nine. And Alex didn't want to come back. Reggie was doing his time, and then he had to go to the halfway house and all that shit, so we couldn't put the show on hold until he got out of prison. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So if I want a Gangsta Chronicles to, to keep going, this is what I got to do. This is what Gangsta Chronicles needs. So we did that. Okay. And that's Gangsta Chronicles is yours, you Norms? or no, it's me and Norm. 50 okay. 50. Okay. That's what's up, man. How, Norm um, seems like a smart dude, man. Yes. He, he seems like he's super smart. Oh, he puts everything together. Yeah. Every, everything that I got going on right now today, he's put it together. He, mm. he he brings so many people to me, and and that want to meet me and say what they can do, and you know some we say nah I mean I don't feel that one there, and some is like okay let's do that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. How'd you meet Norm? A phone call. Really? Yep. Uh, I had think I did a Vlad interview because I I never would do an interview or, or this right here this mm-hmm. podcast stuff, and. Uh, Reggie called me and said, uh, I got this guy named Norm want to talk to you. He want to give you a podcast. What the fuck is a podcast? I don't want to do no fucking podcast. Mind you, nobody knew my situation up until the Greg Kading interview and then Vlad. So when when Reggie asked me to just talk to him, so when I talked to him, he was just like, man, I can see great things with you. Man, I love how you talk and present your story to people. And I can see people gravitate to what you're saying. So, man, I would love to sit down and do a show with you. Okay, so I go up to ABC and, and studios, and I'm thinking he finna talk to me about some. No, he got cameras going, and <laughs> I'm sitting in the chair, and I'm talking not knowing I'm doing a podcast with Reggie. <laughs> and, he, and he say, how you liking your first night? What you mean, my first night? Yeah. He was like, you doing a podcast show. <laughs> you motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it would, and from that day on, two years now, we have been doing good. The podcast is, is real great, man. And, you know, we got to the point where, you know, Charlemagne was listening to us and said, man, I got to get y'all on Black Effect. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I don't think so. But then for those amount of dollars, I ain't never signed my name to get some money. So it was like, fuck it, let's go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, everything is, is looked up for me because, and, you know, it comes right on time because for the last four years I've been raising my grandson, three and a half, a little over three and a half years. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. just been me and, and him. So, you know, and then prior to that, you know, I was taking care of my moms for, mm. for the last two years of her life. Mm. So I got moms, a nephew, and this two-year, going-on-two-year-old baby. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it was it was kind of rough, but then it was something I had to do. It was just to check me, to let me know, get out the motorcycle club, stay away from that shit, because it's just like gang-banging. And 
the, the things and the people you fucking with is finna send you right back where you going. So I had to do a check. You know, I left my wife, said, fuck that, I'm finna go take care of moms. You coming? She, I, I, I'll come over. Oh, no, you ain't for me. Bam. Mm. So I packed my shit and went to my mother's house. She died of cancer. Uh, God bless, man. A year or so ago. Yeah. And, uh, it was it was gravy for me, man. It was it, you know me and her fixed a lot of shit that we had. You know what I'm saying? My my teenage years wasn't good with her or my pops. So you know I was able to square away a lot of shit with my moms and and that meant the world to me. Fuck pops, I don't give a fuck how this dude felt. Gone, you dead, you dead. But mm. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. You feel me? And that's being honest. Um. So after after her death, man, it just seemed like she just been in my corner, on my shoulders. You know, a lot of positive, good things has happened for me. Yeah. And Bob James would have never thought, you know, he'll be going to Australia for people to listen to him talk, uh, to the UK for people to hear him talk, to 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 Texas. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I did. You know, people wanted me to be on the board to talk to the kids and. You know, all the things I get through through my messenger, you know, thank you, saved my son's life. You know what I'm saying? So I'm blessed. I know I'm blessed. Mm-hmm. I just say I wish the kids know where they're at today and they don't have to do like I did at 56, 57 years old and say if I knew what I know now, I'd have been way better off. I wouldn't have been shot four times. I wouldn't have went to prison. I wouldn't have stayed in juvenile hall. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The kids today can avoid all of that shit. You know what I'm saying? All they got to do is start thinking and pay attention to their older cats, what they've been through. Yeah. What would you tell, uh, what would, what would a, a James tell a 24-year-old, 22-year-old Mob James? I, a, a James today would tell Mob James, check it out, my brother. The way you're going is, is you just in self-destruction mode, and you might not make this journey that you're on right now. You're on the wrong path. And I tell him, man, take it from me, a brother that know it, a brother that lived your life 20 years ago. Man, it's time for you to wake up, my brother. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Instead of hurting your people, help your people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'm a part of the cause. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm with everything that I did. And I know I can't fix the shit in my past, what I did, so I accept it. But I know how to reverse the shit that I did. I'm doing totally different now. Yeah. I'm trying to save instead of destroy. Yeah. You know what? Um, I really like, I really like, uh, appreciate just seeing um, the thing that, that uh, I don't know if you've seen it, the the, the documentary that uh, Big U did with right. all those different people. Yeah. It was, it was like refreshing to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because all those different pieces like went through something, you know what I mean? And now to see it come full circle where now they're part of the, uh, the solution now is is just dope to see, you know what I mean? And a lot of people try to downplay or, you know, talk about the shit that they did, but people got to give those guys like them guys, myself and everybody else credit because we could still be in the street at our age, you know, tearing shit up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of shit wouldn't be moving if that was the choice 
that that we did made to stay in that type of shit. So, I mean, you know, I think people don't want to change. They don't want to see the change because everybody benefits off the bullshit. You mm-hmm. feel me? Even through the podcast shit, even through with the police station, the police don't want to see us do what we do because that's that's taken away from their job. If I can't arrest nine or five motherfuckers a day because of these motherfuckers, we need to get them out of the way so we can keep our job. Right. We can keep hiring police. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, man, you know, I apply Big U and, and, and all them guys, man. You know, I used to feel a certain kind of way about those cats. But once I met them, it was totally different. You know what I'm saying? And it's totally different because we, we stuck on this red and blue shit. You know what I'm saying? All my life. I'm stuck on it, and and today I'm, I fuck with more blue than I do red. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I got MC8 on the podcast now. You know, uh, from Track New Park, another Compton brother. Mm-hmm. You know, I got Compton cats came out here. Just okay, we finna see what's happening. And you know, I got Compton cats that took that ride just like myself. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. now you see Bloods and Crips getting together, which this other cat that I was with last night. He failed to realize that, you know, we come from boys, young men, and we men. It took me to be 40 to understand what a man is. Mm. I knew how to respect a lady before I knew what a man was all about. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I got that from my moms. You know what I'm saying? But that's a different, (laughs) my mom's is a different character. (laughs) Uh, I learned a lot from my moms. My mom shot, my pops had. I think I was seven the first time I seen the shooting. She shot the nigga in the ear. God so, damn. <laughs> she was with the business. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, man, we just got to understand how to how to work with each other, you know, opposed to um, dividing each other apart, breaking each other apart. Like, you know, they, well, is they paying? Uh, it's not about the money. You know what I'm saying? I know my riches is coming later. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If especially spreading the word of who you are, what you're about, and how you're doing, and the way you're getting down. All that's coming later. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not tripping and don't trip off the small shit. I ain't looking for little money. I ain't looking for the BS. I'm I'm trying to be right. And, man, and I want to apologize to all you Texas people that seen that Charleston White thing. That ain't me. I don't get down like that, but he just made me mad. <laughs> yeah. Man, I want to talk about um, the the Texas-California connection, mm-hmm. right? Because I feel like a lot of people in L.A. got southern roots. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of people in L.A. got southern roots, and it, including myself. Like, my grandfather is from Fort Worth, right. and my grandmother's from Louisiana. Right. But everybody... From my mother on up, all grew up in L.A. or in Carson or, you know what I mean? My whole family. My my pops is from here, Brady, Texas. Mm. Born and raised. He was a bulldog going to school, whatever. Uh, I got brothers and sisters out here mm. from my pops' other side. You know what I'm saying? My mother is from Mississippi. My grandfather brought them when they were 17, 16 years old mm. over here. Uh, a family of 12, 12 kids. You know what I'm saying? So my history is Texas and Mississippi. Mm. When we go on family vacations, we would come out here or we would go to Mississippi. You know what I'm saying? Or we doing it, we splitting up at that, that line right there. Yeah. We going to Texas, they going to Mississippi. So 
Yeah, my roots is pretty much outside of that. But you have a lot of, just say, OG homeboys. Chucky and all of them cats, they weren't originally born in California. Mm. They from somewhere else. They families migrated like my family did. And now they're in this neighborhood, and, and it's bam. That young lady I got out there is Raymond Washington's daughter, mm. Ray Ray. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, we all from different places. Yeah. But we all migrated to California. So the cats that's coming to out here to Texas and everywhere else, Denver, Oakland, whatever, is, is cats that just migrating to a space where they is better for them. And whether they coming out here with cocaine, weed, whatever the case might be, that's their business. But it brung, it brung the gang-banging mentality. They brung that mentality with them. And, and now, you know, it's not hard to influence another brother on, on a certain look or a certain swag, what they call it. But it, it's not hard to come out here 15 years later. You probably got a, a, a group of 30 fucking with you, starting a goddamn crib set or yeah. blood set. Yeah. And that's how it happened. Is it is it crazy to to see how the the Crips and the Blood like moved around the United States? No, it's not crazy. It was just they, they knew what to do. It, you ain't gonna make it all in L.A. because we already know the situation in L.A. Mm-hmm. We know the situation, so all it takes is I know these cats in 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 Denver. Come on, man, they slanging out here. Let's go take over their shit, and that's what the L.A. cats doing. We went we went to Denver. What used to be they block now, that's our shit. Get the mm. fuck on. Mm. And we bring that, that that mentality, they don't understand that shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So let me get the fuck out of these cash way and then bam. So now everybody in Denver, the ones that live there and us, they clean together. And now you create a neighborhood. Nigga, y'all got to clean the mob. Y'all got to be woo-woo. And that's what they do. So that's how the neighborhoods and shit form from cats from out of town and then come over here and I mean I would never known there was 60 Crips in Texas because yeah. I'm only looking at it like this is 60s in LA it's neighborhoods in, in LA oh damn they in Texas you got you got bloods in, in Australia really I, I'm like what the fuck you from where <laughs> and it, it shocked me so it's everywhere and it happens everywhere you know Especially with the social media of the day. You can be from anywhere you want to. You can start any hood you want to. But my message to these cats is everybody that you meet ain't who they say they are. Everybody you meet ain't the big homie. Everybody you meet ain't that OG, ain't that killer cat that he say he is. And it's hard to do your homework on a cat when you don't have ties to California Mm, or to Denver. So they accept that. Yeah. And that's where the problem lies at today. You know, we accept anything and anybody that comes, especially if you're coming with a package and money. We fall in line. Yeah. I had um, glasses on, uh, glasses was loan on uh, last week. Right. And I asked him this question. I want to ask you the same thing. Do you think the Internet has uh, killed the street code? And what I, what I mean by that, what I said to him as well is back in the day when things happened on the street, mm-hmm. you would never find out unless you was in that circle. You right. would never be privy to some information because you're not part of that circle. Or you're not part of that crew. And now I feel like where the Internet, it feels like soon as something happened on it um, in the streets. Right. 
it goes right to the internet and you you know every detail about what happened and you don't even got to be there and i feel like back in the day when i was growing up it was a code where you don't talk about what happened in the streets and i don't i don't i'm not from the streets i ain't no gangbanger no nothing right. but i understand the code and because I, I got homeboys and just growing up in la Nigga, if you ain't part of it, you ain't supposed to speak on it. You ain't supposed to go and talk and say nothing. But now it feels like it changed. That's that's neighborhood, and every neighborhood should. If if those are the codes they go by, that's what they should stick and stand by. Just because of social media has came and took it to a different level don't mean you change. You know what I'm saying? Everybody has fell on the backlash of social media. Everybody is doing what social media do. And you got cats out there telling that they'll tell. You got cats out there telling where he at after he done killed some motherfucking body. You got cats showing what type of food they ate today. Come on, man. That ain't, the, that ain't, back in the days, it was it was totally different because, you know, when you did something today, everybody didn't hear about it tomorrow or a week <laughs> later. They heard about it months after this shit happened. Yeah, it's destroying everything that you, you do because if, if you got a killing on this block, it's good and then it's bad. But the then, internet, you saying the internet is the, good the and bad? The internet is good and then it's bad. Sometimes it worked it, it worked the way it's supposed to work, and that's what we need sometimes. But social media has clinged on to the bullshit. Like on some one hundred, it just clinged on to the bullshit more than the positive shit. Right. You know what I'm saying? If if you see a man beating the shit out of a woman at the at the market and pulling her wig off, that's gonna get Two, two million, four million views. But if you see a man feeding a homeless man and, and helping him up out the, out the ground, he might get 80,000 views. Right. So that, that's the big difference here. Everybody want a part of the bullshit. You know what I'm saying? And, and now all of that has linked into the neighborhood, to cats that's going to court. You can't, you can't do shit without... It's been video. Somebody is watching me shoot this motherfucker. And I don't know who the person had that camera, so you stuck. And now they can sell this video, and they they, they hood rich now. But now my life is gone. Mm-hmm. So it's hard, and you just got to watch yourself out here today. Yeah. So. Man, because I know when, uh, when, I found out, when I found out Tupac died, it was like, damn, I ain't going to never figure out what happened. I ain't, I'm, I'm never going to know, like, yeah, yeah. huh? Yeah, yes. I didn't, at the time that it happened, yeah. I didn't think it was. I didn't think I was, <clears throat> I was ever going to know. But I got a homeboy that was from Compton that he told me, he he, he knew, but it was like a little later on. Right. But he told me, he was like, yeah, I know exactly what happened, blah, 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 because he's from Compton and he knew people in Compton. Right. But at the time that it happened... I was like, damn, I ain't going to never figure this shit out. Nobody ever going to tell what happened. Nobody going to ever say what happened. But now I can tell you detail with with the help of Glasses Malone as well, right. with his video, um, with, um, I think, Greg Kading uh, interviews. Right. Um, what's the other guy, the big drug dealer from Compton that was there, um, that was in the car? A big drug dealer from Compton? Yeah. What are you talking about, Keefe D now? Keefe D, yeah. Yeah, From his story, I know, like, I can tell you details about what happened just from them, just from the internet. Well, it gives you a perspective. And just like today, motherfuckers are still shopping and, and trying to figure it out. I said it a long time ago. 
just like everybody else. You know, Tupac was a good dude, but Tupac put himself in a situation that he shouldn't have. You got 20 cats in your circle that, that, that do this for a living. That's gangbangers every day. Fresh out of prison from gangbanging. And here you take the initiative to go bam. You don't have to prove yourself to this crew. This crew is supposed to be taking care of you, watching you, stopping you from doing shit like this. Yeah. You are money. Without, without, without our bread and butter, and they cut the head off the chicken, ain't nothing left. And that's when Death Row died. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because Tupac took it upon himself to go and check, you know, a company cat. Now, on the flip side of Orlando, Orlando say, this motherfucking rapper, motherfucking nigga, I'm a gangbanger. I ain't finna go to the hood, no gang, no rapper want to whoop me. Now he gonna be in this hood fighting. Yeah. Nigga say it one more time, nigga, I'm gonna knock you, you know what I'm saying? That type of shit. So he just wasn't accepting that. And 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 my people should have knew he wasn't accepting that. My people should have been ready for that situation. And we wasn't. And I'm gonna put me in it because I just can't blame them. I was at 66. Uh, 662 but they was on Tupac and, and it shouldn't have never happened you yeah. know what I'm saying yeah Shook shouldn't have never been leading the pack Shook shouldn't have never been in, in front of that at all they should have been in the middle yeah what um what kind of dude I know I know uh, from afar we got a kind of like a perspective or an idea of what Tupac was but it feel like Tupac was like two different people. He was. He was? When Tupac first came to Death Row, when he got out and they brought him to the studio, and when he came a part of Death Row, you seen a cool-ass dude. And, and I think I was in his presence two or three times. He was cool as fuck. You start paying attention to him, when he start coming up to the court, for uh, uh, Snoop Dogg, it was this different walk. It was this, you know, they get mad at me when I say certain shit. I ain't going to say it anyway when he starts spitting at people and looking at people like they ain't shit. Who the fuck? Come on, bro. You different now. And that's the Tupac I didn't understand. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I don't think he had to prove anything to us, the homies. He didn't have to prove anything to Shug. At this point, you out on the street. You should be making, like he was, making good music. But then, just like Suge, I got to be like one of these cats back here. I need to keep my chest out. I need to, I want to be a gangster. I'm like gangster. Yeah. But I'm I'm a gangster with money. See, there's a difference between me, Suge Knight, and these dudes. They work for me, but I'm that nigga. So when you start acting like that, now you see all the perks that come with being that thug nigga, it ain't it ain't it ain't good. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You know it's consequences that come with wearing that that bandana. It ain't it ain't good. So he got he got the the worst end of of that trying to be something he wasn't. Yeah, it's hard to um, not get captivated or swallowed in that that mentality. I don't know, but it is because I'm. T- I'm telling you, the the, I maybe because you in it, you don't exactly. Do you skydive? Hell no. Do you do you surf? Knowing there's sharks in the water. <laughs> no, I've surfed before, but I I don't surf. 
Do you mountain climb? No. Okay, so if you don't do none of that shit, you ain't finna be a gangbanger because yeah. all of that shit is detrimental to your health, right? Yeah. And if you know that, if listen, I tell cats, everybody ain't built to be a thug. Right. Everybody ain't built to be gang members. So if you ain't ready to get in this motherfucking car, because this is what's going to happen. We're going to go over here and handle our business. When we get back to the hood, to my garage, I'm checking every motherfucking pistol. And if, if you ain't shot nobody, you're going to get shot. <laughs> Damn. On oh, my mama, that's how it used to be. And anybody from my hood, from the mob, will tell you that nigga was just like that. That nigga, we checked our pistols. We If, if they ain't hot... You ain't do shit. You ain't going back no more. And if we if we was there and we did some stupid shit, pop off, motherfucker. You ain't got a choice. You can't go back and say, I did a month. You did too. And that's how I kept it on some 100. Mm. You know, people don't, they ain't getting down like that no more. But you just got to make sure and you just got to be right with what you're doing. But a lot of cats, I don't see niggas throw up because they can't take it. You are not supposed to be here. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I got a little homie, don't want to put him out there, but he got out the car, and I let him out the car because it's only right. I can't force you to be what you ain't. Yeah. That's going to kill me in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. I res- I respect that, that dude because he know who he is right. versus somebody who's perpetrating, you That's know what I mean? I'm telling you, Tupac and Suge were not, they already got a position. Mm-hmm. You need. You don't need to play this role right here. You are an executive, and you are a rapper, writer, actor, the whole nine. Yeah. That's who Tupac is. Yeah. You ain't no motherfucking pop rule. You ain't a gangbanger. So don't even play that role because you got 20 niggas ready to knock somebody's head off for of you. You don't have to be a part of them to be Tupac. This is all I be trying to say to people, and they don't get it. You already got a position. You already got a role. Now, we got our role. Take advantage of it. You got niggas that's ready to take another another man's life for you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You don't have to be me. Right. Now, once you become one of, one of us, I ain't, I ain't protecting you. I ain't got to sit here and make sure. You know what I'm saying? Because now you one of the homies. Now you got to stand up on your own. Now you got to be that cat when you out there by yourself. You know what I'm saying? Anytime yeah. you tuck your bandana after that, that cat going to tell you tucked your shit, and now you ass out, just like in prison. If you run in prison, there's no prison you can go to without everybody knowing. No matter what yard you go to, ain't nowhere running from that. You's a bitch-ass nigga, you a bitch-ass nigga. <laughs> shit. Yeah, that's why, they, that's why I found out early on the streets wasn't just, it wasn't my cup of tea. Right. It, was, it wasn't for me. But so. that, that's good, though. Yeah. That's good, though. Yeah. So man, you I know you got a, um I heard you have a, a book coming out, right? Yes. What's what's gonna be the title of the book? Uh they don't even To be determined. No, I I got one, uh the uh the the legacy and some shit of James McDonald, Mob James, whatever, but I ain't wanna put it out there. But it's it's gonna be good because I try to be as one hundred and honest as I can be, especially if I'm telling the story. So can't nobody come back and say that didn't happen. Mm. Like I ain't heard it yet. Oh, he ain't he ain't accurate with you know. I might get some shit messed up and fucked up, but not like that. Everything my shit is one hundred, and yeah. this is what I bring to my book. You know what I'm saying? I got, you know, I got my book. I'm working on that. I'm working on my motorcycle uh, 
uh, TV show I'm working on. I, I got I got a few things going on, man. That, okay. You know, people are gonna see it and they are gonna see the difference. Mob James and and James McDonald. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I don't want to get it twisted that. Mob James over here doing this just because being James McDonald because he see money. Okay. Yeah, no, it was um when when, when can they expect the book? When can they expect the book? Yeah. The book will be out next month. We'll be ready and done next month. Okay. We just polishing up everything right now. Okay. And once the book is done, you know, I want to put it out there. I don't want it to cost too much where people can't get it. You know, I'm going to be out there passing the book out. You know, I just want everybody to understand where we came from and why we were the way we were. You know, my father took me to the streets. You feel me? My father made me feel like, you know, if you can do this to me, I can do this to other people. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So every time my pops beat the shit out of me, I felt like I got to go beat the shit out of somebody else. And I was introduced to the to the whole nine in, in the third grade. My first stabbing was in the third grade. You know, chasing niggas with butcher knives. You know what I'm saying? So, and this was 70, 75, 76, and 1976, somewhere around there. So, the things he did to me, I say, can't no man do to me, but I can do it to other people. And then once I, I felt the vibe off that, I got a kick out of it. I got a head rush off of it. And then I'm now I'm just start hitting people with different shit. I just start releasing that pressure that that dude what he did to me, mm. you know. And now I'm 14. I got nine, eight, 17 stitches in my head from my pops. Now I'm out there with a 38 pistol shooting at people, you mm. know. So my pops pretty much created Mom James. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Just because of what he did to me. You know, I didn't have a chance to do what's right. I didn't know what's right. And it made it easier for me to see others like me. And that's what took me to the hood. Mm. You know, the people I'm chasing with this butcher knives is the niggas going to be hanging with me that's driving the car. Just let me get in the back seat because I'm the dirty working dude. I'm in the back seat. Or let me out at the corner kind of nigga. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, I give my pops credit for what he did to me. You know what I'm saying? I ain't mm. mad at him no more. But if had not he beat the shit out of me on the daily and, 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 and sent me to the hospital, I might not think like this. Mm. I might not be that cat that can survive in prison, on the streets, or whatever, whatever the case might be. But he instilled that in me in a fucked up way. But I appreciate that. Now I understand. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But that was in his purpose to, to, to raise a man out of a kid, a kid into a man at that age. You know what I'm saying? So my tactics are totally different from his. You know, raising my grandson, I'm totally different. Raising my other two sons, I'm totally different. I'd have beat the shit out of my sons if I ever saw them with a bandana, if I ever would have heard them say blood, if I ever would have heard that they quit school. Both of my boys went to college. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. My oldest son is raising his 13-year-old daughter on his own. You know what I'm saying? So he instilled that from me. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm raising my daughter's son. Mm. My daughter is the gangster. Mm. My daughter is the one that gave me problems. I raised my daughter for eight years while her mama did her prison time. 
I fucked up and let my daughter go back to her mother because I can't take my daughter from her mother. So when her mother came home, I let her go back. Then my daughter get pregnant. Now my daughter is saying Southside Crip. Hold up, mama. We can't. We, you already know what your daddy and your mama went through. Your mama from Southside, but your mama should be telling you this. With the went bam. So here I am trying to explain to her a woman's position in the hood, a woman position. You know, this this trying to get down like that, or being in the hood trying to make money, and she just went left with it. You know what I'm saying? If my mama went to prison, I don't give a fuck. So. Me being her father, it wasn't nothing I can do because I can't watch her every day. So I'm living here and she living in Compton. You know, I'm in Vegas, she in Compton. I'm in, I'm in Compton, she don't come fuck with me because she know what her daddy going to say. Mm. So she out doing her thing and trying to hang and sell weed and all of this other shit. And she got caught up. And, she, and it's crazy when the police start fucking with her, she went straight mommy and daddy mode. You know what I'm saying? If y'all want to fuck with me, come get me. But I ain't finna just walk to you motherfuckers. Come get me. And she had a little 30, 45 minute standoff. But I told her, they finna show, they finna teach you a lesson. Mm. So they gave her her little three years. And, you know, she talking better, which we all do when we go to prison. So I'm ready for her when she come home. She got a car when she come home. And if she ready to move, she can't move to Compton. I'm not helping her with that. But if she want to come and stay at my house with me, with her son, she good. But my baby got to show me a good year and a half of positivity before Lionel can go with his mama. Mm. You know, I made that mistake with her mama, just giving her and letting her go back to mom's. No, I should have made mom's give me two years of of positivity that you're doing good. Yeah. Instead of opposed to getting out of prison and going right back to the street. I shouldn't have did that. I should have. I should have watched and seen how her mama progressed since she'd been released from prison, and I didn't do that. So it was a mistake. So I can't make the same mistake with my grandson. So I'm, I'm locked in tight with him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. she understand it. She agree, and she said that at least that's what I can do. I can at least do that. Mm. And you know, she thanked me for you know. Being a grandfather to her child, baby, you don't owe me nothing. This is my seed. You know what I'm saying? My grandson could have been in a system. And, you know, most of us get so caught up in doing us. You know, I'm out there on that Harley every day with my boots kicked sideways. <laughs> I got all the, you know, fucking with all the chicks the whole night. I didn't have time to raise a grandkid. But my mom's sick. Now I got to get my baby. So won't, ain't no white people or some, some angry motherfucking couple got him just because of the money mm-hmm. and treating bad. So I put my motorcycle in the garage. I'm sitting here with my moms, and I'm going to take care of her, and I'm driving her to Philadelphia for a funeral. And I'm, I'm doing all of these things, and I got a nephew I got to feed and make sure he ready off to school. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I just let everything that I was doing, because it ain't about me no more, and I gave it to my family. I put all my energy in my family. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I think I'm so blessed because I walked away from me to to do for my family. Yeah, that's a true sign of a man. Right. That's a true sign of a man. I'm I'm, I'm glad God showed me the difference of what a man is and what a foolish man could be. And I understand that now. You ever thought about um, bringing your daughter on and let her tell her story with you? 
like on podcasts. That would be and, a conversation that I would have with her when she come home and we yeah. sit back chopping it up and talking because she acting a fool in there. Mm. You know, every time we, we send a letter or whatever, she she in a hole. Yeah. Okay. That's the, what's the name now? Yeah, man. Um, I appreciate you, James, man. I man. appreciate you, brother. Yes, sir, man. Thank you for tapping in with us, All man. All the time, man. If, 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 my, if my conversation, I can come out here in Texas and, and let people know that it is good cats out there that used to be fucked up, that's what it is. You know, don't judge me by what I used to be. Judge me who I am today. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah. So I appreciate it. I appreciate it like a mug, man. For sure, man. All the time. Yes, bro. sir, man. Yo, man, this has been the Tap In Podcast, man. Thank y'all for tapping in. Don't forget, man, the giving is in, the getting is in the giving, all right? The getting is in the giving. This has been the Tap In Podcast. Holla.